welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lay Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. There's a really big gap between fantasy and reality. In my own research, I find that about 80% of adults say they have a sexual fantasy they want to act out at some point, but just 20% of them have ever done it before. I also find that only about half of adults say they've even shared this fantasy with a partner. So how can we bridge this gap and get more comfortable talking about our fantasies and incorporating them into our sex lives? That's what we're going to be exploring in this episode. We're going to talk about how to drop the shame that so many of us feel about our fantasies, how to communicate about fantasies in a healthy way, what to do when you and your partner don't share the same fantasies, as well as what you need to know if you're thinking about acting on your fantasies to increase your odds of a better experience. I am joined once again by Dr. Jana Vrangalova, a sex researcher, speaker, writer, and consultant. She teaches human sexuality courses at New York University and also runs a course called Open Smarter, which helps people figure out which type of relationship is right for them using science-based assessments of their unique personality. This is going to be a fascinating conversation that's going to give you some tips and tricks for taking your sex life to the next level. Stick around, and we're going to jump in right after the break. We all know that there are a lot of problems with traditional sex education, but one of the biggest is that the topic of women's pleasure is almost completely neglected. As a result, people often have to learn about this all on their own. So to make things easier, there's a great resource I can recommend called Beducated. They have an extensive library of courses you can take at your own pace in the comfort of your own home. They have some fantastic courses on women's pleasure that will teach you what you need to know about the female orgasm, the G-spot, oral pleasure techniques, and so much more. These courses are ideal for women and anyone who loves women. You can try all of their courses today for free, and if you like what you see, you can get 40% off the yearly pass by using my last name, Miller, as the coupon code. Invest in your love life and join Beducated now from just $10 per month. Check the show notes for the link or visit beducated.com and be sure to use my last name to get your discount. Okay, Jana, let's talk about turning sexual fantasies into reality. Most of us have fantasies that we want to act on, but we're holding back on them for a variety of reasons. Maybe we're worried about our partner's reaction. Maybe we have a moral conflict with it. Maybe it's illegal or potentially harmful. Maybe you're afraid to do it, or you just don't know how to do it. You know, there can be a lot of barriers to acting on and sharing your sexual fantasies. But what I see in my own research is that people who share and act on their fantasies tend to be the most sexually satisfied. That doesn't mean that things always turn out well, but more often than not, they seem to, at least based on the people that I've surveyed. But before you can start down this road of sharing and acting on fantasies, I think the first step is usually to work on yourself a little bit, because people often feel shame and guilt about their fantasies. So, Jana, what's your advice to people who might need to start with that step of unburdening themselves of these negative emotions? How do you work past something like sexual shame? Well, that's a big question (laughs) that we could be talking about for a long time. And it's also a long process that doesn't happen overnight for people because the sexual shame that we have internalized 
over years and decades of existing in a society, in a culture, in a family, in a religion, and so on, that tells us these thoughts and ideas and acts are wrong and bad and shameful, and we're going to you know, burn in hell for having them. That seeps into us, and it's very entrenched. It's going to take a minute to undo all of that work. But just like it has been done to us, and that's all coming from the outside, right? That doesn't come from inside. And what comes from inside can be some desires and attractions and fantasies that we might have. How we feel about them and whether we think they're right or wrong, that's something that comes from outside. And so a great way to undo that work is to change the environment, to get exposed to a different kind of environment that doesn't shame those desires and fantasies. And so one method is certainly surrounding ourselves by a different kind of uh, community, different kinds of people being part and finding people in the sex positive space who yeah, have a different view of what is shameful and what is appropriate. Just learning about ourselves and the possibilities and learning about other people is a huge potential tool for overcoming shame. So I always tell people, read, tell me what you want <laughs> and have your partner read, tell me what you want, just to see how common these things are, these ideas and fantasies are for other people, that you're not alone, that you're not weird, that this is part of the human condition and there's nothing wrong with you if you have these thoughts. Of course, therapy can be a big part of uh, overcoming, especially if there is some deeply seated sexual shame. Of course, we all have it internalized to different degrees, depending on how we were brought up. And so working on ourselves through therapy. And yeah, so those are usually the, the, I think the three main avenues, reading, listening, taking in sex positive information, and uh, just like accurate information about how sexuality works versus how we were told that it works. Then doing that inner work through therapy, meditation, uh, journaling, whichever psychedelics, whichever uh, tools <laughs> you can use for that personal growth and changing the surroundings, surrounding ourselves with people who are not going to shame us for what we want. Yeah, so it's all about finding ways to normalize our sexual fantasies. And as you mentioned, there's all kinds of ways to do this. And you could also do it by following Dr. Jana on the socials because she does a lot every day to try and normalize diverse sexual interests. Now, let's say that you kind of work past the sexual shame. Now you want to kind of put the idea out there. So if you want to get the conversation started with your partner about a sexual fantasy, how do you communicate your fantasies in a healthy way? And I think this is an important question to ask because sometimes when you suggest something new to a partner, maybe a partner that you've had for a really long time, that can sometimes feel threatening. You know, they might perceive it as, oh, you're not happy with the sex that we're having. You're not attracted to me anymore, you know? So how do you put that idea out there without it being perceived as a threat to the relationship? Yeah, that's always a tricky thing. It's a line that is sometimes difficult to walk. And 
it's going to be different for every couple, for every situation, depending on what has come before, what kind of conversations these people are already having or have had, what kind of sex life they are having, how satisfied they actually are with their sex life. Because you can suggest something new, even if you're very, very satisfied with what you have but you just want to add even more to that amazing sex that you're already having. Or you might be suggesting something new to kind of a, you know, not very satisfying relationship. So you kind of have to take all of those into consideration. And also who is the partner? How open is the partner to trying different and new things? How sensitive or insecure is the partner about what kind of sex they are having and the quality of the sex? How much shame does that partner have themselves? So there's a lot of different things that we need to take into consideration. But I think generally approaching the issue by affirming all of the great things that we do love and enjoy about our partner and the relationship and the sex that we're having. So making them feel like, you know, I'm very happy about the things that we do have, but I also have some other curiosities that I think would be fun to explore and can make things even better. Some version of that usually works. Yeah, I think validating your partner is really key when it comes to sharing sexual fantasies. And I think, you know, another good place to start when it comes to sharing fantasies is to kind of start low and go slow. Like you don't have to get your most adventuresome fantasy out there right away because sometimes it's TMI, you know, it's just too much too soon. So maybe plot your fantasies on a spectrum and maybe start at the less wild end of things and use that as an opportunity to engage in mutual reciprocal self-disclosure. So you take turns sharing fantasies and in the process of that, you're building up trust and intimacy. And as that happens, that's going to make it easier to share things that might be more difficult that you've never shared with anyone else before. So I think if you kind of think of it through that lens, that's a good way to go. I mean, I get a ton of emails from people who are like, hey, I want to watch my wife have sex with other men. How do I convince her to do this? The first thing I say is, okay, first, you're not convincing your partner of anything. Like, let's drop that idea. Second, maybe you don't want to lead with, I want you to have sex with other men and I want to watch and masturbate to it. If you've never shared any fantasies before, you know, that can be a lot for many people. So you got to look at that history part that you're talking about. We don't know exactly what came before and you need to have that trust and that intimacy and good established communication patterns. Absolutely. Start slow and build up. Yeah. You don't want to start with the gangbang fantasies and you know, <laughs> no. the club knives, <laughs> hooks, <laughs> stuff if nothing has been shared before. So definitely build up. And by starting with these kind of lower stakes fantasies, you are learning, if, especially if you haven't had many of those conversations beforehand, by starting in this way, you are learning how your partner is responding. And you can calibrate if your approach maybe wasn't the greatest on that initial approach, you have an opportunity to calibrate the, for the next time for something that is more risque with a lower stakes scenario, because you know chances are you're not going to approach it the most perfect way the first time you try to have a conversation. And so yeah, you're giving yourself opportunities to iterate and get better and better with that. And you're also building that level of trust and back and forth during those initial conversations so that you can then go to the more risque things. 
Yes, absolutely. Every fantasy you share is a learning experience. Now, let's say you share a fantasy with your partner and they're not into it, or your partner shares something with you and you're not into it. How do you deal with discrepancies in fantasies? That's a common scenario that is going to happen for a lot of people because we have a lot of different fantasies. And in the ideal world, we would have full compatibility on everything with our partners. But yeah, this is the real world and that doesn't happen. I mean, it depends on whether this is a fantasy that we wanted to actually act on or it was just something that we wanted to share and maybe talk about. There are different levels of a couple of different approaches of what you can do. You know, you just accept that, okay, this is something that we don't have in common. And so we're just not going to talk about that again. You you keep that fantasy. Maybe you can go and watch some porn or read some erotica about those things that you have that I don't have. And we don't have to bring that into our sex life, either in a way where we talk about it or in a way where we act on it. Another version could be that... Even if we don't share it, we can have that compersion element for our partner and want to make them happy by engaging in this occasionally, even if it's not our jam, but especially if it's not something that we absolutely hate and can't even think of and stand, you know, maybe we can on occasion talk about it or even on occasion do it for their pleasure. And they're going to do something that they're not that into that is for our benefit. And of course, we can always open it up and have those fantasies be met by other people that do share them and not have to kind of burden our partner with something that they're not into. Yeah, I love all of that. And it's, you know, obviously bound to be an issue that will arise in a relationship. But the good news is because there's so much diversity in fantasies and most people have dozens, if not hundreds or thousands of fantasies over the course of their lives, odds are you're going to find a lot of things that you have in common. So even if you're not a match on every fantasy, there are going to be other things that are going to work. And one way I often like to suggest when it comes to kind of bridging the divide, if let's say you just happen to be on totally different wavelengths when it comes to your fantasy content, is to ask a different question of your partner, which is, how do you want to feel during sex? And talk about What are the sensations you want to experience, the emotions you want to feel? And to each describe this in great detail and then try and create or craft a custom fantasy that's going to tap into those different needs that each partner has. And so in this way, it's not necessarily going to be a fantasy that's going to look exactly like it does in your head, but it's still going to deliver the same kinds of sensations and experiences you want. So you know, I think when it comes to sexual fantasies and getting, you know, on the same wavelength as your partner, it's often about expanding your sexual repertoire and finding new ways to connect and meet everyone's needs. That's a great creative out of the box way of thinking about how do we find some overlap if there is no, or looks like there is no overlap. Yep. So let's say you want to go the next step. All right. We've shared our fantasy. We put it out there and your partner's into it right? So you want to act on the fantasy. What are some of the things you need to think about in advance in order to increase the odds of a positive experience? Because if you just say, all right, I'm into a threesome, you're into a threesome, let's have a threesome right now. Maybe it'll work out, but oftentimes it doesn't when people just kind of jump into it. So what are the kinds of things you want people to think about in advance before acting on a fantasy? That's such an important piece of uh, making sure things work out well, because 
as your survey found, many times the fantasy is better than the reality. <laughs> and that doesn't have to be that way if people were paying attention to some of the things, some of the prep work that they need to do before engaging in it, the percentage of successful fantasy come reality would be much higher. So the prep work is going to differ depending on the type of fantasy that we're discussing. And certainly if it's you know something that is a kinky fantasy between those two people is going to be different than if we're introducing other people into the mix. But um, one thing that people should always do is get some education about that particular form of sexual act or behavior uh, so that they know how to do it. If it's about some kinky things that involve different tools, learn how to use those tools. Maybe go to a workshop and learn how to use them. Watch some tutorials on online and learn how to use them. Read some books about the especially again in the kink uh, setting, that domination submission context, because it's not just if you're going to hit someone with a flogger, it's also crafting a scene around how you're going to make them feel submissive versus dominant in that context. So it definitely takes some time to prep the setting and the experience, the right mindset. If it's going to be involving other people, then you really should think about who those people are how are you involving them? Are these people friends or strangers? And do you want them to be friends or strangers? There are pros and cons to both approaches and uh, different things are going to work for different people. So it depends on who your friends are and what they're like and how much they can absorb something like that. It's important to be in a good, in a really good headspace when you're going into something like that so that you're feeling good and safe and secure in your relationship to really discuss what your boundaries, expectations and boundaries are beforehand, because a threesome can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people and can look very different. <laughs> uh, yep. Who can do what with whom and when and how, and uh, what are some boundaries that we're not going to cross and how we're going to communicate with each other if things have been crossed within the experience. What are we going to do after? You know, How is this going to end? What kind of communication or relationship we're going to have with that person afterwards, how are we going to check in with each other before, during, and after. So there's just so many different elements that need to be taken into consideration. I always recommend people stay mostly sober during these experiences, especially when they're doing them for the first time. There's a often a push to get wasted because of that anxiety that arises that he's never done this. And I don't know what, what I'm doing and people will drink too much or get too high. And that usually takes away from their ability to enjoy, from their ability to know what they're doing, to follow the rules that they've established for themselves and so on. So yeah, there's just a lot. There is so much, and it really depends a lot on what is the specific sexual fantasy we're talking about. You know, if you've been in a long-term monogamous relationship with one person and you're opening it up in some way or having a threesome, then you need to think about the safer sex considerations there that maybe you didn't previously consider before because you were monogamous. But I think, you know, that education piece is key. Like, go out and look for depictions of this fantasy. And that could be consuming erotic media. It could be reading guidebooks. I mean, I'm not saying look at porn as your how-to guide for <laughs> a particular sexual fantasy, but it's just to kind of get ideas. Like, how might this work? What could this look like? And get information from different sources because 
fantasies can go off in all different kinds of directions and your fantasy might look very different. Let's say it's a threesome compared to your partner's threesome fantasy. I find that people often want to be the center of attention in a threesome, but if you and your partner both want to be the center of attention, you're going to need to discuss that in advance. How are you going to take turns and all that other stuff? So it's that's where you really need the extensive communication. Now, just one final question for you. You know, some people will act on their fantasies and have a great time, and that's great. But other people are going to have a bad, maybe a terrible experience. And then maybe they're going to assume like, oh, that fantasy is not for me. Like I had a threesome, it was bad, and I'm just not meant for threesomes. But maybe the circumstances just weren't right. You know, I like to think of acting on fantasies as something where practice makes perfect. Maybe it takes a few tries. You learn something each time. Try it differently the next time. So what are your thoughts on this? Like, let's say you have an experience that's not optimal. What should you do following that? You should dissect the hell out of it, first of all. Really understand what happened and what went wrong. Right? It could be that, yeah, this fantasy is not for me, but if this is a fantasy that you've had and it's recurring and you may have been you know, masturbating to this for a while, like it's clearly there's something there for you that is appealing. And so there's a good chance that it was how it was done that made it not work out as opposed to the fantasy itself. So yeah, I would first of all just dissect every aspect of it. Our, my mindset, my level of knowledge, the situation, who did what to whom and why, and then think of ways that could be made better if we were to do this again the next time. And so really come up with specific things that we are going to do differently or not going to do compared to the previous time. And then try again with all of that knowledge for how to do it better when you're ready for it, depending on how much space and time you need in between that negative experience. And it also depends on how negative it was. You know, there, for some people, it can be a pretty traumatic, that first experience can be quite traumatic. And so there might even be some need for therapy to really work through some stuff and threesome and bringing new other people in can often be a trigger for a lot of other stuff, a lot of insecurity that you didn't really know was there, that you were suppressing a lot of uh, maybe some trauma from earlier years from childhood or previous relationships that can come up. And so there might be a lot of work that needs to be done between immediately post that unsuccessful attempt and the next time you attempt it. But uh, that also can be quite generative and uh, leading to a lot of growth and positive outcomes because, yeah, sometimes our fantasies can take us in places that we didn't really realize existed, but that is an impetus to then heal some of these parts that uh, we've been suppressing and compartmentalizing as opposed to integrating and healing. Absolutely. I love all of that. And acting on your fantasies can teach you a lot about yourself, about your partner or partners, and your relationship. So thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Jana. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and also about the Ashley Madison Unbound survey that we've been discussing? 
Yes. Thank you for having me. I always love chatting with you. You're amazing. <laughs> so people can find me at drjana.com. That's D-R-Z-H-A-N-A.com. And that's my Instagram and Twitter as well, Dr. Jana. As Justin mentioned earlier, I do a lot of education on Instagram on a daily almost basis. So come check it out. I also have an online course for people who are interested in all of the different relationship options that they have these days and how to find the right one for them at this point in their life and then how to do it well once they've found which one they're going to embark on. So that course is called Open Smarter and you can find it on my website on drjana.com. There's also a free training that people can take uh, before they enroll in the course that you can also find through the website that I highly, highly recommend to understand some of the science behind why and how we have the desires that we have for these different types of relationships. And you can find the Ashley Madison report on ashley.date slash insight slash unbound love, <laughs> uh, or just look up unbound love, sex, fantasy, and desire and Ashley Madison, and you will easily find it. And um, yeah, a lot of the numbers that we talked about are there. And I will be sure to include links for everything in the show notes. Thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate having you here. Thank you, Justin. And thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology, at sexandpsychology.com, or subscribe on your favorite platform, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Miller and Instagram at Justin J. Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. 